Section 7 of The Governess, or The Little Female Academy, by Sarah Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tuesday, the second day. That Miss Jenny's meeting with her companions in the morning after school, she asked them how they liked the history of the giants. They all declared they thought it a very pretty, diverting story. Miss Jenny replied, though she was glad they were pleased, yet she would have them look farther than the present amusement. For, continued she, my mamma always taught me to understand what I read. Otherwise, she said, it was to no manner of purpose to read ever so many books, which would only stuff my brain, without being any improvement to my mind. The misses all agreed that certainly it was of no use to read, without understanding what they read, and began to talk of the story of the giants, to prove they could make just remarks on it. Miss Suki Janet said, I am most pleased with that part of the story, where the good Benefico cuts off the monster's head, and puts an end to his cruelty, especially as he was so sullen he would not confess his wickedness, because you know, Miss Jenny, if he had had sense enough to have owned his error, and have followed the example of the good giant, he might have been happy. Miss Lucy Sly delivered the following opinion. My greatest joy was whilst Mignon was tying the magic fillet round the monster's neck and conquering him. Now I, said Miss Dolly friendly, am most pleased with that part of the story, where Fidus and Amata meet the reward of their constancy and love when they find each other after all their sufferings. Miss Polly Suckling said, with some eagerness, My greatest joy was in the description of Mignon, and to think that it should be in the power of that little creature to conquer such a great monster. Miss Patty Lockett, Miss Nanny Spruce, Miss Betty Ford, and Miss Henny Fret advanced no new opinions, but agreed some to one, and some to another, of those that were already advanced and as every one was eager to maintain her own opinion, an argument followed, the particulars of which I could never learn. Only thus much I know, that it was concluded by Miss Lucy Sly saying with an air and tone of voice that implied more anger than had been heard since the reconciliation, that she was sure Miss Polly Suckling only liked that part about Mignon, because she was the least in the school, and Mignon being such a little creature, put her in mind of herself. Miss Jenny Peace now began to be frighted, lest this contention should raise another quarrel, and therefore begged to be heard before they went any farther. They were not yet angry enough to refuse hearing what she had to say, and then Miss Jenny desired them to consider the moral of the story, and what use they might make of it, instead of contending which was the prettiest part. For otherwise, continued she, I have lost my breath in reading to you, and you will be worse, rather than better, for what you have heard. Pray observe that Benefico's happiness arose entirely from his goodness. He had less strength and less riches than the cruel monster, and yet, by the good use he made of what he possessed, you see how he turned all things to his advantage. But particularly remember that the good little Mignon in the moment that he was patiently submitting to his sufferings, found a method of relieving himself from them, and of overcoming a barbarous monster 
who had so cruelly abused him. Our good governess last night not only instructed me in this moral I am now communicating to you, but likewise bid me warn you by no means to let the notion of giants or magic to dwell upon your minds. For by a giant is meant no more than a man of great power, and the magic fillet round the head of the statue was only intended to teach you that by the assistance of patience you may overcome all difficulties. In order, therefore, to make what you read of any use to you, you must not only think of it thus in general, but make the application to yourselves. For when, as now, instead of improving yourselves by reading, you make what you read a subject to quarrel about, what is this less than being, like the monster Barbarico, who turned his very riches to a curse? I am sure it is not following the example of Benefico, who made everything a blessing to him. Remember, if you pinch and abuse a dog or cat, because it is in your power, you are like the cruel monster when he abused the little mignon and said, I am a giant, and I can eat thee. Thou art a dwarf, and thou canst not eat me. In short, if you will reap any benefit from this story towards rendering you happy, whenever you have any power, you must follow the example of the giant Benefico, and do good with it. And when you are under any sufferings like Mignon, you must patiently endure them till you can find a remedy. Then in one case, like Benefico, you will enjoy what you possess, and in the other, you will in time, like Mignon, overcome your sufferings. For the natural consequence of indulging cruelty and revenge in the mind, even when there is the highest power to gratify it, is misery. Here Miss Suki Janet interrupted Miss Jenny, saying that she herself had experienced the truth of that observation in the former part of her life, for she never had known either peace or pleasure, till she had conquered in her mind the desire of hurting and being revenged on those who she thought did not by their behavior show the same regard for her, that her own good opinion of herself made her think she deserved. Miss Jenny then asked her if she was willing to lead the way to the rest of her companions by telling her past life. She answered she would do it with all her heart, and by having so many and great faults to confess, she hoped she should, by her true confessions, set them an example of honesty and ingenuity. The Description of Miss Suki Janet Miss Suki Janet, who was next in years to Miss Jenny Peace, was not quite twelve years old, but so very tall of her age, that she was within a trifle as tall as Miss Jenny Peace, and by growing so fast, was much thinner, and though she was not really so well made yet, from an assured air in her manner of carrying herself, she was called much the genteelest girl. There was, on first view, a great resemblance in their persons. Her face was very handsome, and her complexion extremely good, but a little more inclined to pale than Miss Jenny's. Her eyes were a degree darker, and had a life and fire in them which was very beautiful. But yet her impatience on the least contradiction often brought a fierceness into her eyes, and gave such a discomposure to her whole countenance as immediately took off your admiration. But her eyes had now, since her hearty reconciliation with her companions, lost a great part of their fierceness, and with great mildness and an obliging manner she told her story as follows. 
The Life of Miss Suki Janet My mamma died when I was so young that I cannot remember her, and my papa marrying again within half a year after her death, I was chiefly left to the care of an old servant, that had lived many years in the family. I was a great favorite of hers, and in everything had my own way. When I was but four years old, if ever anything crossed me, I was taught to beat it and be revenged of it, even though it could not feel. If I fell down and hurt myself, the very ground was to be beat for hurting the sweet child, so that, instead of fearing to fall, I did not dislike it, for I was pleased to find that I was of such consequence that everything was to take care that I came to no harm. I had a little playfellow in a child of one of my papa's servants, who was to be entirely under my command. This girl I used to abuse and beat whenever I was out of humor, and when I had abused her, if she dared to grumble or make the least complaint, I thought it the greatest impudence in the world, and, instead of mending my behavior to her, I grew very angry that she should dare to dispute my power, for my governess always told her that she was but a servant's girl and I was a gentleman's daughter, and that therefore she ought to give way to me, for that I did her great honor in playing with her. Thus I thought the distance between us was so great that I never considered that she could feel, but whilst I myself suffered nothing, I fancied everything was very right, and it never once came into my head that I could be in the wrong. This life I led till I came to school, when I was eleven years old. Here I had nobody in my power, for all my schoolfellows thought themselves my equals so that I could only quarrel, fight, and contend for everything, but being liable to be punished, when I was trying to be revenged on any of my enemies, as I thought them, I never had a moment's ease or pleasure, till Miss Jenny was so good to take the pains to convince me of my folly, and made me be reconciled to you, my dear companions. Here Miss Suki ceased, and Miss Jenny smiled with pleasure, at the thoughts that she had been the cause of her happiness. Mrs. Teacham, being now come into the arbor, to see in what manner her little scholars passed their time, they all rose up and do her reverence. Miss Jenny gave her an account how they had been employed, and she was much pleased with their innocent and useful entertainment, but especially with the method they had found out of relating their past lives. She took little Polly Suckling by the hand, and bidding the rest follow, it being now dinner-time, she walked towards the house, attended by the whole company. Mrs. Teacham had a great inclination to hear the history of the lives of all her little scholars, but she thought that being present at those relations might be a bulk to the narration, as perhaps they might be ashamed freely to confess their past faults before her, and therefore that she might not be any bar in this case to the freedom of their speech, and yet might be acquainted with their stories, though this was not merely a vain curiosity, but a desire by this means to know their different dispositions, she called Miss Jenny Pease to her parlor after dinner, and told her she would have her get the lives of her companions in writing, and bring them to her, and Miss Jenny readily promised to obey her commands. In the evening our little company again met in their charming arbor, where they were no sooner seated with that calmness and content which now always attended them, than the cries and sobs of a child, at a little distance from the garden, 
disturb their tranquillity miss jenny ever ready to relieve the distressed ran immediately to the place whence the sound seemed to come and was followed by all her companions when at a small distance from mrs teacham's garden wall over which from the terrace our young company looked they saw under a large spreading tree part of the branches of which shaded a seat at the end of that terrace a middle-aged woman beating a little girl who looked to be about eight years old so severely that it was no wonder her cries had reached their arbour miss jenny could not forbear calling out to the woman and begging her to forbear and little polly suckling cried as much as the girl and desired she might not beat any more the woman in respect to them let the child go but said indeed young ladies you don't know what a naughty girl she is for though you now see me correct her in this manner yet i am in all respects very kind to her and never strike her but for lying i have tried all means good and bad to break her of this vile fault but yet hereto all i have done has been in vain nor can i ever get one word of truth out of her mouth but i am resolved to break her of this horrid custom or i cannot live with her for though i am but poor yet i will breed up my child to be honest both in word and deed miss jenny could not but approve of what the poor woman said however they all joined in begging forgiveness for the girl this time provided she promised amendment for the future and then our little society returned to their arbour miss jenny could not help expressing her great detestation of all lying whatsoever when miss dolly friendly colouring confessed she had often been guilty of this fault though she never scarcely did it but for her friend here miss jenny interrupting her said that even that was no sort of excuse for lying besides that the habit of it on any occasion even with the appearance of a good intention would but too likely lead to the use of it on many others and as she did not doubt by miss dolly's blushing that she was now very sensible of the truth of what she had just been saying she hoped she would take this opportunity of obliging them with the history of her past life which request she made no hesitation to grant saying the shame of her past faults should by no means induce her to conceal them the description of miss dolly friendly miss dolly friendly was just turned of eleven years of age her person was neither plain nor handsome and though she had not what is properly called one fine feature in her face yet the disposition of them were so suitable to each other that her countenance was rather agreeable than otherwise she had generally something very quiet or rather indolent in her look except when she was moved by anger which seldom happened but in defence of some favourite or friend and she had then a fierceness and eagerness which altered her whole countenance for she could not bear the least reflection or insults on those she loved this disposition made her always eager to comply with her friend's requests and she immediately began as follows the life of miss dolly friendly i was bred up till i was nine years of age with a sister who was one year younger than myself the chief care of our parents was to make us love each other and as i was naturally inclined to have very strong affections i became so fond of my sister molly which was her name that all my delight was to please her and this i carried to such a height that i scrupled no lies to excuse her faults 
and whatever she did i justified and thought right only because she did it i was ready to fight her quarrels whether right or wrong and hated everybody that offended her my parents winked at whatever i did in defence of my sister and i had no notion that anything done for her could be unreasonable in short i made it my study to oblige and please her till i found at last it was out of my power for she grew so very humoursome that she could not find out what she had most mind to have and i found her always miserable for she would cry only because she did not know her own mind she never minded what faults she committed because she knew i would excuse her and she was forgiven in consideration of our friendship which gave our parents great pleasure my poor little sister grew very sickly and she died just before i came to school but the same disposition still continued and it was my friend's outcries of being hurt that drew me into that odious quarrel that we have all now repented here miss dolly friendly ceased and miss jenny said she hoped miss dolly would remember for the rest of her life what her good mamma had always taught her namely that it was not the office of friendship to justify or excuse our friend when in the wrong for that was a way to prevent their ever being in the right that it was rather hatred or contempt than love when the fear of another's anger made us forego their good for the sake of our own present pleasure and that the friends who expected such flattery were not worth keeping the bell again summoned our little company to supper but before they went in miss dolly friendly said if miss jenny approved of it she would the next morning read them a story given her by an uncle of hers that she said she was sure would please her as its subject was friendship miss jenny replied that she was certain it would be a great pleasure to them all to hear any story miss dolly thought proper to read them End of section seven.